This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Dak has done nothing to change my mind of any promise for the future. I think I said in the deal that we'd go as far as Dak takes us in the playoffs. I believe in Dak Prescott. I think he's clearly the answer. Here's a guy who's two and five in the playoffs has never gotten past the divisional round. Do you want to extend that quarterback when in his first eight years he's not shown you he can do it? Can they get Dak Prescott to be the guy when the lights are the absolute brightest in January as the same person they are in, you know, September, October, November, December? Well, I think we're going to learn what Jerry Jones thinks about that, whether or not he believes that Dak Prescott can be that guy in all months or just some months. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Jerry Jones yesterday spoke with the media about Dak Prescott and was asked about Dak's uh, future with the Dallas Cowboys. Dak has done nothing to change my mind of any a promise for the future. I think I said in the deal that right. we'd go as far as Dak takes us right. in the playoffs. Remember that? Right. We'd go you, as far as Dak takes us. Right. How you playing? And that's how far we went. Oh, right. So Okay, so my know. point is that doesn't change a thing. Okay. Where we'll go as far as Dak takes us. Okay. I don't understand his point, though. <laughs> like he said, we'll go as far as Dak takes us, and that's how far we went. But I haven't changed my opinion on the promise of the future of this team. I don't understand. He's speaking in riddles. Yes. And the the part that is maddening to me is that you already have enough questions around Dak. You got CeeDee Lamb's mama questioning Dak, and that's your all-pro receiver. You got uh, um, uh, uh, Terrence Parsons, Michael Parsons' brother, coming out and saying that Dak needs to take less money so other guys can get paid. You saw the frustration that CeeDee Lamb had in the wild card game after the first drive, like you don't need any more controversy around number four. This is supposed to be the leader in the locker room, an extension of ownership in the front office. Like that, that's what it is. Quarterback position by nature is a leadership spot. And what have I been saying the issue with the Dallas Cowboys is? It's leadership. It's chemistry. It's camaraderie in order to bring out the best in this team when their best is required once they get to the playoffs. That they routinely fall short, and I don't know how questioning your quarterback further by dragging out potential contract extension negotiations is going to serve the interests of the team trying to move it forward once we get into 2024. But when has Jerry Jones ever stopped short of making more controversy around his players or his quarterback? This is what Jerry Jones does. I don't think he ever even takes stuff like that into consideration. He knows that there are all of these other things swirling out there around Dak, that there may be some tension in the locker room with his teammates and their families and the comments that are made. Do you think Jerry Jones ever once thought, maybe I shouldn't answer questions about my quarterback? Maybe I shouldn't contribute to this? No, because Jerry loves the spotlight. And just reading through the tea leaves here, it feels like he wants to put even more pressure on Dak Prescott as he and Mike McCarthy enter what seems to be a make-it-or-break-it year. So in trying to explain what he said, obviously we're all guessing because we don't know what he actually means. Because it's very conflicting. Right. So let me see if I could try to present a guess that maybe works for everyone, right? So he says, Jerry Jones says, Dak Prescott is going to take us as far as... Uh, or how, however far Dak takes us, how far we're going to go. It's on Dak. Is that code for we didn't go to the NFC Championship game. We didn't go to the Super Bowl. He's a top five MVP this year. As a result of us not going to the NFC title game, I'm not giving him a contract extension because I'm not going to pay someone to not take us there. 
Yeah, but how does that make sense when you're supposed to be quote-unquote all-in when Dak is taking up $59.5 million of your salary cap? Uh, in order to field the best team, uh, a talent, talent, uh, talented roster that'll give you a chance to go further in the playoffs, you might want to be able to see if you can get some cat relief by extending Dak Prescott. But the fact that you're hedging, so to speak, when it comes to your quarterback – only serves to further undermine him in the locker room. So people that might have been on the fence about Dak Prescott and whether or not he has what it takes to lead them to a championship, you're only giving them more fuel to the fire. You're only creating more fodder by not showing that the organization has the conviction to pay him. Because if you pay him, you can actually field a better team by lowering his cap hit. That means you can afford more players in free agency. Again, it just doesn't make sense for Jerry Jones to do this publicly in terms of his commentary, but it also doesn't make sense for Jerry Jones not to extend Dak Prescott this offseason, even though that's going to necessitate him making him the highest-paid player in the NFL. All right, let's play out one other hypothetical for a second. Let's say that Jerry Jones is really leaning into this last dance theory. Mike McCarthy's not extended. Dak Prescott's not extended. That's fact right now, right? Yeah. That neither of them are extended. Is there a way for him to restructure Dak and stay on a one-year deal? Can that happen if you pay down some of the money? I don't know how this works. Why, why would, why, if you're Dak, why would you yeah. agree to that? Why would you do that? You Is have so much leverage. Is there a way you're getting more cash as a result of that? Is there any way that... No. Okay, so then, then basically what we're saying here is that... Jerry Jones is going to want the contract on his terms, as any employer would. Jerry Jones has no leverage to get the contract on his terms and may consider going into this season with a $59 million cap hit for a quarterback, all while telling us he wants to go all in with then no financial freedom to then go all in because who are you going to get for literally nothing? Which is why, as of this moment, it feels messy and why I continue to come back to the idea that I believe Dak Prescott asks out at some point this offseason without ever playing another down for another team. I'm not suggesting he will. I think it'll be a Lamar situation where he asks out to get the deal done. Here's the thing. If, if I was in Dak Prescott's camp, I would say, why would we risk stepping on the field without a new contract? We've already done that. I mean, you got your money. You had to incur an injury in a year where you didn't have any financial guarantees beyond that season. But you still came up aces because Jerry Jones made you one of the highest paid players in the league once the contract got negotiated. I guess my whole point is, if you're Dak, you already know that you got over $200 million in guarantees coming for, to you, and you're going to make north of $55 million on average annual value. Why would you risk that by stepping on the field again? All right, so I, play I, this I, out I just don't think I would. Now, listen, Dak has already shown that he's willing to do that. Right. Yes, yes. He's willing to play out that string. I guess my whole point is, though, when it comes to Jerry Jones trying to leverage Dak, your, I guess, alternatives to Dak Prescott beyond 2024 – don't look great. And it only becomes a more expensive proposition by waiting until next offseason to do a deal with Dak because all of a sudden he's unencumbered. And there are going to be other teams that are going to be suitors because it's just cash that it would have to pay them. They don't have to trade anything for him. So if you're Jerry, why would you put yourself in, this, in a position that you were in once upon a time with Dak when you were negotiating, when you had to pay him 
a top-of-the-market quarterback deal, why would you wait when the market is only going to get more expensive? Let's play this out. 888-SAY-ESPN, by the way. 888-729-3776. Your prediction as to how this all plays out, right? We're talking about Dak asking out, a contract extension. Jerry Jones kind of looking at this as a last dance. Want to hear from you guys on that at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Now, let's make you Chris Canty, attorney at law. You're You're the agent here for Dak Prescott. These comments happen. You're on the phone with Dak today. You're face-to-face with him, whatever it is. Give us your advice as if you were in the room with Dak as his agent right now. Jerry's got to pay us. Jer- Jerry's got to pay us. Otherwise, we're going to demand a trade because there are going to be other teams that are willing to pay me. Now, if you're Jerry, that's the thing. If you're Jerry, why wouldn't you want to do the deal now? Like You have no other options that represent an upgrade over Dak Prescott. Why would you not want to do that deal now? It only gets more expensive the longer you wait. So just do the deal now. It ends up being cheaper for you. So from a business standpoint, it actually makes more sense. Here's the thing. With leverage and dangling this carrot out there for Dak, he knows he's going to get the carrot. Dak knows he's going to get paid. So you 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 really can't use that as a motivating factor for Dak. You can use it for Mike McCarthy because you can get another coach, and we all rec- recognize that there might be coaches out there that are an upgrade from what Mike McCarthy is. But, but quarterbacks that would be represented as a clear and obvious upgrade from Dak Prescott aren't allowed to get out of their contracts by their respective teams. So if you're Jerry, you have no better options than Dak. So you might as well do the deal now rather than all of that posturing and make sure that you don't get in the way of you know affecting Dak's position as a leader on this team and affecting the potential chemistry that Dak has with his teammates. Just a potential counter. Because maybe Jerry doesn't want to do the deal now because he doesn't think Dak is the one that can get them to the Super Bowl or help them win a Super Bowl. You want to talk about hourglass? LeBron tweeted the hourglass today we've been talking about. The Dallas Cowboys are in hourglass mode, and they have been for quite some time. We're coming up on 30 years almost since they've won a Super Bowl, since 95. Yeah. Dak is 2-5 and five in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's great in the regular season. They're coming off yet another incredibly disappointing early postseason exit. Jerry said that this loss was unconscionable, and it was the biggest playoff disappointment of his career. That's from Jerry Jones. And even though Dak is amazing and he likely does not have another option, maybe he's sitting here saying to himself, is it insanity if I keep running the same thing back over and over and expecting a different result? Again, this is not what AKA I think. last dance. This is just a, hypo- a hypothetical counter here. So maybe he's thinking we push all of the chips in. I ratchet up the pressure and the sense of urgency with not only my head coach, but my quarterback. And if it doesn't work out this year, then I need to pivot. But, how, but I guess my whole point is how are you ratcheting up the urgency with Dak? How do you? How are you doing? You're on your last contract. year. You're on your last year. Yeah, but I, I'm on my last year. But I know I'm going to get paid. And if you don't give it to me, I know I'm going to get it from someplace else. Chris in Tennessee, listening on the ESPN app. What's up, Chris? You looking for me? Yes, you are, Chris. I'm in Indiana. <laughs> I'm in Indiana. Indiana but okay, go oh. ahead. I'm. Uh, oh, no worries. Hey, if I'm Dak's agent, I'm actually going in there hat in hand, man, because Dak has proved time and time again why he is not the NFL's MVP. He, he just doesn't have that follow-through to the end of the race kind of mentality. Well, you may think that, and thanks for the call, but it's pretty clear, and CC has backed this up all day today, that even if Dallas agrees with that point, Atlanta probably doesn't. Yeah, I mean, MVP, first of all, MVP is a regular season award, right? Like, mm-hmm. Dak and Lamar Jackson have the same amount of playoff wins, too. 
So other than like, like his relative, like and Lamar Jackson, we're anticipating is going to get his second MVP in a matter of days. So, but somebody like, will like, pay Dak. That's the thing. Yeah, Dak is going to be. He's. It's a quarterback scarce league. There's always quarterback. There, there are never enough quality quarterbacks to go around. And especially Dak Pres- coming off this and, season, and Dak Prescott <laughs> is coming off of his best season as a pro. So yeah, like. There are going to be teams that are lining up to pay Dak, whether it's the Atlanta Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks, or you know the New England Patriots. All of these teams that are looking for quarterbacks. What the hell are the Tennessee Titans doing at quarterback? Like they're the Denver Broncos. What are they doing at quarterback? Like there are teams that are in the quarterback market, and they would be willing to pay Dak, you know, north of fifty-five million dollars a year. So regardless of how Cowboys fans feel about the disappointment, the reality is it's simple supply and demand. There are not enough good quarterbacks to go around, and Dak is a top 10 player at the position. Coming up, Cowboys are on the hourglass, right? So is another team. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. It's demon time on prize picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 100 times times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com morning, code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Under 500 are the Los Angeles Lakers after a loss last night to the Atlanta Hawks. LeBron on Twitter posts the hourglass. Time is ticking. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to get into that conversation, get a couple of phone calls in here at 888-SAY-ESPN. Matt, watching on ESPN2 in Atlantic City. What's up, Matt? Hey, good morning, Evan, CC, and Michelle. So going back to the power rankings, I love the power rankings. I had to write these uh, down, by the way. So as far as uh, chefs go, we're concerned. Number three, I was torn between Michael Collins and Damian Woody. Mm. I'm going to lean towards Damian Woody at number three. Number two, this is kind of underrated, Tyler Fulgram, ESPN Bet Live host. He's been on the Food Network multiple times on Guy's Grocery Games. I think he can be very consistent in the kitchen. And number one is Ian Fitzsimmons, Mm -hmm. okay? 
He's from Texas. He knows Texas barbecue, that Southern cuisine. I'm going to go Ian Fitzsimmons, but don't sleep on Amber Wilson. I've seen her on IG. I've seen her throw down in the kitchen. Thank you guys very much. I tell you, Matt's list is arguably better than ours. i got to be honest on that. Tyler is the one guy that we really missed on yeah. this, and oh, he's I, been on our show. So I think Ian was a huge miss by yeah. us, Ian was too. a miss, too. Yeah, I mean, bad, just speak for yourself, messages. I like my list, though. I love my list. I like love my, my list. list. I've known Amber for forever. I didn't realize that Amber was such a great chef. I have to find out about that now. Uh, Patrick in North Carolina, listening on 99.9, the fan in uh, Raleigh. What's up, Patrick? Hey, guys. just want to say I love the show. Uh, I just wanted to call and say that I think Dak is taking way too much heat for the loss. In my eyes, it was their defense that lost the game for him, not only this year, but last year, too, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, listen, the defense was not great, and, and it's weird because the reaction, and thanks for the phone call, has been Dan Quinn gets interviews, Dak Prescott gets destroyed. So the reaction hasn't necessarily been 100% fair, but it's not like Dak was great in the playoffs. I mean, again, we talk about Lamar Jackson. Are you the same guy in the regular season as you are in the playoffs? That's actually all we're asking you to be when you're that good in the regular season. Lamar wasn't and Dak wasn't. I mean, here's the thing, and people always go to the defense, but Dak set up. Two scores for the Green Bay Packers, two touchdowns. I mean, he threw a pick. The Packers returned it inside the 20-yard line. They were in the red zone, so that led to a touchdown. Then he quite literally threw a pick six. Like like they say, all the defense was bad. Yeah, but the quarterback gave up 14 points to the other team. That ain't great. No. So I just, I like, that's the part where I I just, Dak has absolutely got to be better in the playoffs. And I can understand why Jerry Jones would be frustrated and not want to give Dak a contract paying him, you know, $300 million. I even said it after the playoff loss. I was a prisoner of the moment, and I said, how in the world can you pay Dak Prescott the kind of money that he's going to be looking for on a contract extension? I'll tell you how. Not have any better options and have a quarterback that has a no-franchise tag clause and a no-trade clause. There There are no options for Jerry. I can't threaten to trade you. I can't threaten to tag you. All I can do is decide to pay you or let you walk out of my building after this year. And guess what? If I do let you walk out of the building, it's not until after you have a $59.5 million cap hit for the upcoming season, which hamstrings what my team can do in terms of putting more talent on the roster. It's not a good spot for Jerry Jones to be in. No, it's really not. I guess the only thing that I was thinking of is that we know Dak really does love playing there, and he obviously works really well with Mike McCarthy. Who knows what his situation is going to be. They're a team that has so much talent around them and should be able to advance. At the end of the day, Dak may have to walk away or may have to go somewhere else, but I, I guess that's the one thing that I come back to is maybe Jerry's leaning on the fact that he knows that Dak is in a good position in Dallas and that he does like to be there and does want to win there. We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. The other thing that we've been discussing today, we will continue to discuss, is the Lakers' loss last night to Atlanta 138-122 without Anthony Davis. Lakers dropped to 24-25. and And late night last night into the morning, LeBron James put out a tweet with the hourglass. I think that we all are aware how passive-aggressive LeBron could be in these moments, always around this time of year in January and February, always before the trade deadline, which is coming up next Thursday. We've heard in the past when it was talking about Kevin Love, the fit in or fit out. We've heard the I need more playmakers. He's always There was a month in Cleveland where basically he took a month off. He just decided, I'm not playing until we get other players here. I'm going back to Miami and hanging out for a little bit, which is what he did for a couple of weeks, which was just a fascinating move and then they made a bunch of moves but this team is what it is ultimately dating back to LeBron's decision yeah we want Russell Westbrook getting Russell Westbrook giving up KCP Contavious Caldwell Pope who oh by the way went on to win a championship with Denver 
one stop after. Kyle Kuzma, who's been a 20-point-per-game kind of guy. And Montrezl Harrell, okay, whatever, not exactly amounting to what maybe he would have been if he was with LeBron, hypothetically, gets you Russ, puts you in a bad position. You then trade Russ. You have to take on D'Angelo Russell in order to get Jared Vanderbilt, who they probably really wanted, and in that deal also for the time, Malik Beasley. This whole That worked out, though, because they got to the conference finals. Yes, it worked, but... Vanderbilt's not the same player this year as he was last year. Beasley is a top five in three-point percentage, but on a wrong team in the Milwaukee Bucks relative to the Lakers. And the hourglass, time is ticking. Smalls, you immediately went to the old soap opera, Days of Our Lives. Explain that theory as it relates to the Lakers here. Yes, like sand through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Anyone who pretended to stay home or pretended to be sick so they could stay home during grade school. If you're in our era, you have seen days of our lives and you have seen that iconic, um, the sand going through the hourglass in the open there. And that's exactly what I thought of because he is saying the time is ticking. I'm watching the sand go through the hourglass because the trade deadline is right around the corner and we better turn this thing around or something's going to happen. It, it almost felt like a threat. The hourglass feels like an emoji threat coming from LeBron. Yeah, but who is he threatening, though? I guess that would be my question. Is he threatening Rob Palenka in the front office? Or is he threatening Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura? Because I I would probably bet on the latter, especially after what I saw the last two nights. I mean, second night of a back-to-back after you got embarrassed by the Houston Rockets and you come out with that performance against the Atlanta Hawks? I mean, think about it. They allowed 25 points over turnovers. They allowed 21 points off of second chance opportunities and 26 points off of fast breaks, not to mention 68 points in the paint. The defense was non-existent for the Lakers yesterday. I mean, usually we talk about elite elite players being 50-40-90. That was the Atlanta Hawks team last night. 50-40-90. The entire team. They had seven players in double figures, including all five starters. The defensive effort was not even borderline, was unprofessional. And that's why LeBron went off in the post-game press conference and said, yeah, I just want my teammates to do their damn job. After he said he didn't have a message for him, that was the message, just do your damn job. Like I just, There was I, a bigger message later on Twitter, of but course. There, there was the bigger message, and I think that's what he's saying. If you guys don't shape up, you're going to get shipped out, and the organization knows I have a ton of leverage because I have a player option for $51 million next season. So that means if they don't do what I want them to do over the next week and a half, then I'm going to be out. So this is a decision that the organization has to make. This is a commitment that they have to make with LeBron. And to me, that means that there are going to be several players on the move to try to get back some players that are going to help LeBron get back to the championship rounds in the playoffs. Here's the So the Lakers today, their front office has, let's call it an hour-long meeting. Rob Polinka is there. Jeannie Buss, the majority governor, is there. Maybe Darvin Ham, the head coach, are having a meeting today. Maybe two to five minutes of that meeting, okay? Go to the place of, he's threatening us. He may walk after the season. So, he's 39 years old. He's the second greatest player of all time. He's still great, but is he leading you to a championship this year? Two to five minutes of an hour meeting. They spend the other 55 trying to figure out how to upgrade around him, but this is not Giannis doing this. The Bucks don't even spend two to five minutes on that. The Nuggets don't spend two to five minutes on the so. What do, what do we look like without him? The Lakers are at a point, to me, where you have to spend five minutes of the hour-long meeting at least asking the question of, so he wants to leave? Then what? He's 39 years old. 
He's insanely great. We saw it the other night. Nobody's doubting that. But do you believe this guy on this team with this power can lead you to a championship? Well, well, not with this team right. because I don't think the supporting cast is good enough. That but he I'm, put together. Well, you can say that he put together. That's great. But they went to the conference finals off of the moves that they made last year. So, I mean, that's that's the championship rounds. All you can ask is it for a ticket to the dance. But LeBron James has played in 44 of their 49 games. He's averaging 25-7-7. and I mean, that, 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 that's an all-star. I don't care how old he is. And they're 24 and 25. Like, 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 but, but that's not on LeBron. That's not on him. Like, you're, you're sitting here blaming the player LeBron. If you want to blame the general manager LeBron, okay. But this team is not by any means a finished product because they have a lot of tradable contracts. But what LeBron is giving you has been consistent throughout his career. 25-7-7. and seven. That's outstanding. I agree. So I, I don't know. So, 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 so bringing up, so, but bringing up his age, it, it, it's, it's a non-factor. It should not matter. He's still a player that you can build around and win a championship. You can win a championship with LeBron James as one of your best two players. You can. That I agree with. I don't know that this team can. Brian Windhorst will join us coming up next to discuss. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors... You're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Fit in, fit out. I need more playmakers. Now an hourglass. Brian Winhorst, ESPN NBA senior writer, Hoop Collective podcast. Now on TV on ESPN2, 2P to 3P Eastern on Tuesdays. And Wendy joins us here on Unsportsmanlike. All right, Wendy, what does the hourglass mean? <laughs> I don't know, man. I gave up that. I gave up on that a long time ago. I mean, I you know, I, I could it, I would be I could say four or five things. I'd just be guessing. Um, but obviously it ain't going like it was planned. Oh, there's no question about that, Wendy. I mean, losing back-to-back games to the Rockets and the Hawks, if that's not a sign that you need to break glass in case of emergency, I don't know what is. But is assuming that the front office for the Lakers doesn't sit on their hands, what are some of the potential trade targets that they might be looking at ahead of what, next week's deadline? Well, yeah, well, this is what the Lakers people negotiate with the Lakers are hoping for, right? They're hoping because the Lakers have two – you know, assets that are attractive. One is the first round pick in 2029 that they can trade. And by the way, I don't just say 
the, the, the pick. It's negotiable. Obviously, teams are going to want that unprotected or very lightly protected. Um, the other thing is Austin Reeves. And it's not that Austin Reeves is an all-star player. It's just that his uh, output versus his contract, which was artificially depressed last summer. It's a long story. We'll just leave it at that. Um, <clears throat> those are the two pieces that people want from the Lakers. And so that's what they have to trade. They also, I believe, can trade one pick swap, I think, in twenty. Eight, they're allowed to trade a pick swap, which is post LeBron and maybe even post AD. I can't see that far into the future, which is what teams are interested in. And um, you know, the market is a little bit thin in terms of star power. But if the Lakers were willing to move those pieces, then they have something. And not only that, though, like the the Lakers have shown a willingness to trade that first round pick, but they still haven't been able to close a deal because there's not a lot of excitement about D'Angelo Russell. That would be the guy in the deal. He's got an option in his contract for $18 million next year, and teams aren't excited about him. So what you overall have is you have a team that's underachieving beyond LeBron and AD. And after that, it's hard to trade pieces that are underachieving. Wendy, who do you have more faith in to turn it around the rest of the way, the Lakers or the Warriors? Probably the Lakers because AD and LeBron are playing so well. I would actually say that one of the the confounding things is that, you know, you know, AD missed last night's game. I think between the two of them, they'd only missed seven or eight games the whole year. They are playing at all-star levels. When they, when they announce the all-stars uh, t- uh, tomorrow, AD's, you know, AD and LeBron are going to be on that list. You know, LeBron's the starter. Um, and so um, you have two all-stars playing at all-star level. That's a basis for things. The Warriors don't have, you know, their, their key players beyond Steph aren't playing like they normally do. And I don't know whether Clay is going to come back. I don't know whether Wiggins is going to, you know, you know, return to his normal uh, play. I do think that, that, you know, if you're looking for a reason to be any, have any optimism about the Lakers, it's that their two best players have been playing like their two best players for most of the season. Wendy, let's go to the other coast now. I want to ask you about the Knicks. They beat the Jazz last night. It was their eighth straight victory. They finished 14-2 and in the month of January. How for real are the New York Knicks? Yeah, so they're obviously a team that they play. They, they, they've got very good depth despite making that Ananobi trade. They've got very good depth. And they're a Tom Thibodeau team. They play hard every single night. And one of the things that you look at their situation right now, they're two games back of the two seed. And they've got a you know they've got an easier schedule coming in than both the 76ers and the Bucks. The Bucks have one of the hardest schedules left in the NBA. 76ers have Joel Embiid uh, headed to an MRI machine today. Um, you know the Knicks can look themselves in the mirror and say we could figure out a way to get this two seed in this last 35 games or so. And if you get the two seed, obviously you have to play a play-in team in the first round, and then you get home court in round one and two if you win. There's a formula for the Knicks pulling some sort of uh, postseason run. Getting that two seed, which is within their grasp, can happen. And so I think one of the things that they're going to be looking at you know, over this next eight days, with their two, with their starting center and their starting power forward, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle facing injury recovery, do they spend some of the tr- trade assets that they've got sitting in their bank 
to try to get another big man, another forward to aid them? You know, do they flop Evan Fournier in some draft compensation for a guy like Bruce Brown? Do they go out there and try to get Malcolm Brogdon or something like that? I, you know, a month ago I would have said that isn't really a, doesn't make sense, but now I could see a way where the Knicks would feel an upgrade. You know, that an upgrade could could get them there. Now, at full strength, do I think they can beat the Celtics, Seventy Sixers, and Bucks in a, in a best of seven? I can't say that. Uh, do I, could they beat multiple of them? I, I can't say that, but. They have been overcoming and overachieving for a while here. And most importantly, among all that, they are sending a message to all players out there, even guys who are under contract or star players elsewhere. Look what we got going in New York. Oh, also, we have seven first or eight first round tradable draft picks in case you want to ask for a trade here come the summer. We are on Sportsman Live, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Swalman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you talk, talking with Brian Windhorst, of course, Hoop Collective Podcast. Wendy, it's been glass half full for the Sixers all year until now. Maxi's out, Embiid MRI, probably not going to qualify for the MVP based on the number of games that he's going to play. They're yet to make a trade with these expiring contracts. What is the current outlook in your mind with the Sixers? Yeah, they're having a rough patch right now. They've been missing three starters for most of the last uh, week or two, and they're on a long West Coast trip. You know, it's a it's a bad time uh, of the season for them. I, I think obviously, you know, Embiid was already being bothered with the sore knee. Then Jonathan Kaminga landed on it last night, and he was headed to the MRI. They got to see what that says. It's obviously very important. But Maxi should be back. Um, you know, they've got the flu bug going through the team right now. Uh, they need to get DeAnthony Melton back. And as you mentioned, they've got, you know, over $100 million in expiring contracts and three tradable first-round picks that they can use by next Thursday. And so it's not going great for them right now, but I still love where they are if Embiid's healthy. And that's true whether they make a trade or not. If Embiid is healthy, he is a beast to deal with. And Ty- Tyrese Maxey will be named an all-star an all-star, I'm almost positive, tomorrow when they announce the reserves. And so they're going to, again, they're going to have two all-stars that if they're healthy, we'll have, a, we'll have a, a chance. I think, again, the Celtics are the best team in the East. Dealing with them is going to be hard four out of seven. But I think the Sixers just got to weather the storm right now and, and prioritize health. Well, Wendy, you just said the Celtics are the best team in the East. Let's go to the Western Conference. I know the Denver Nuggets are the reigning defending champs. But are the L.A. Clippers the team to beat in the Western Conference? I don't know if they're the team to beat because one of the things that, you know, the Clippers don't play with great size, especially right now. Avicia Zubac is, uh, is, is out. Uh, he's dealing with an injury. And, you know, I, I watched them play against the Cavs on Monday night. One of the, a huge win for the Cavs on Monday night. And one of the things that was an issue there was the Cavs size. The Cavs size bothered the Clippers. They have so much going for them. Um, number one, the Kawhi Leonard is playing like an MVP candidate. You know, you talked about Embiid, you know, he only can miss another handful of games where he's going to get disqualified. He was the leader. If you take Embiid out and you bring in a new set of conversations, obviously Nikola Jokic, but I think you're going to be talking about Shea Gillis-Alexander, and I think you're going to be talking about Kawhi Leonard. And because Kawhi's playing like an MVP and, and they're healthy, the Clippers are legit. I do wonder, though, how they fare in a series. The, the way to deal with the, 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 the Nuggets is size. That's why we, you know, if you look for a team that could pull an upset off the Nuggets, I'm keeping an eye on the Minnesota Timberwolves because they are constructed in a way that can give the Nuggets a problem. So I will be fascinated now that we have seen the Clippers demonstrate that they're a serious contender. 
what happens in the matchups with the Nuggets going forward. The last time they played, Zubac played brilliantly. Jokic had one of his worst games in three or four years, and the Clippers got a win. Can't, is that something that they can replicate? We're going to watch and find out. Wendy, we got about 30 to 40 seconds here. Last one. Give us a player and a team that we haven't discussed yet that we need to keep an eye on over the next week or so leading into the trade deadline. I think in general, the team to watch is the Atlanta Hawks. It's, you know, everybody's talked about DeJounte Murray. There's other players on their roster who could potentially be available. They are an underachieving, expensive team, and they could also do nothing. But they could also make multiple trades. They are out of the, the playoff top six right now. Uh, if they, what they decide to do, what they prioritize, who they decide to trade, could end up tipping the balance of power. They're one of the most important teams to keep an eye on. Wendy, great job as always. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, there's Brian Windhorst. Of course, Hoop Collective Podcast with Tim McMahon, Tim Bontemps. Great podcast available wherever podcasts are found, including the ESPN app. Lakers are going to have to make a trade. They're going to, there's no way. Like, there are teams you have to look at right now. The Lakers cannot operate this way moving forward. The Sixers cannot just waste all the expiring contracts that they have without making a move here. And the Hawks are another good one. They are loaded with players that if you, if you isolate them and put them on other teams, could actually be pretty good on other teams as complimentary pieces like DeJounte Murray, who may ultimately go to the Lakers. Coming up, we respect it or check it next on Sportsman like ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Respect it. Or check it. On Unsportsmanlike. It is time to respect it or check it here on Unsportsmanlike. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Evan Cohen and Super Bowl champ Chris Canty. I see you vibing over there, little Aretha. All right, you guys ready to go? Let's do it. First one here on the docket. Respect it or check it, gentlemen. Heat fans need to respect LeBron James. Respect it. Respect it. Now listen, he didn't cover himself in glory with the way that he announced he was going to Miami. And then the whole bit... At the, at the uh, I guess, the I don't even know if you call it a press conference. What do you call it? I was the, there the, for that. The, that was amazing. The, yeah. <laughs> not one, not two, yeah, not three. Not one, not two, not the three. The pre-party. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's one or two. That, that, that's it. You topped out of there. there. Yeah. You topped out of there. But listen, he did bring you multiple championships. So, I mean, it, it, you know, he kind of fulfilled the promise Why of LeBron going to South Beach. I don't know. Let's not dance around this. The reason that you two concocted this clearly is you both are bothered by the fact that when we were talking about hypotheticals with LeBron, if he were to ever leave, I uttered to you, I don't want to win with him again. I want to beat him. 
and you guys don't get it. And I'm telling you, most Heat fans are like me in that they'd rather beat him than win with him well, again. Well, no, that's not the part that bothers and me. And that he doesn't appreciate the Heat enough. That's the part that yes. gets me. So that's why you'd rather beat him than win with him. Yeah. Because he doesn't appreciate Heat culture. But what that's did, right. But what so glad I'm, you agree. So what you're saying is glad heat, you agree. heat culture made LeBron? Is that what you're saying? I'm glad you agree. Thank no, you. I'm asking you a question. I'm saying that, Le, that LeBron has started to recently retroactively appreciate what that organization did for him. Because if you look at the way he was prior and the way he was after, he operates the way that they operate. So He's very similar to them. But in real time, what did he not appreciate about Miami or Heat culture that really rubs you the wrong way? Every player that comes through there appreciates the work and the coaches. And he never like credited anybody but himself with that. And they did it as a team. I mean, he was pretty good. <laughs> no, he was he was the best player on the damn team. But that's the point. The best four years of LeBron James's career were in Miami. He played better in Miami than he played anywhere else. I don't know. I think and I would wait hate him Cle- for it. I would wait the championship no, that he, he had in Cleveland that over, the over the two that he had in Miami. Absolutely. That beating, the beating the Golden State Warriors? With that team? Yeah, that, that's yeah, – Come on. I would, that one yeah. goes right to the top. He won a championship in Cleveland, for God's sake. After they hated him. Again, this is the crazy – it's going to drive me crazy. We, we value that championship in Cleveland so much yes. because the Browns and the Guardians never won. If the Browns and the Guardians won, we would actually downgrade that champion. No. Yes, because we look at that city. If the, if the Guardians beat the Mar- – if Cleveland baseball at that time beat the Marlins in 97 – the 2016 championship would be looked at differently for no. the Cavs. Yes, it would be. But the Cavs didn't win a championship either. I understand, but we're talking about the team. But that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, here's the thing. Nuts. The Heat won a championship before LeBron James yes. went there and got two Correct. more for the trophy. The Cavs, quite literally, have never won a championship. I understand that. And that was an amazing championship. But I think the way in which we look at that, the the down three one, the great in the series to, to the Golden Come State on. Warriors. I'm not arguing Come that on. part of it. It's a, you're, also, you're, and I am not arguing that part of it with the Browns and the Guardians. Yes, it does. I think it's the fact that it's his hometown, and he left and then made a promise to return and bring them a championship. And he I did. understand, even even if it was. Every other team in that city was thriving, and it was a dynasty. The fact that it's where he's from, and he did them dirty like that on TV, that's what matters. Not about the other teams. I disagree. It's about his connection to I disagree. The city. Because I think the story of that 2016 championship is that Cleveland never— Cleveland is the best sports town in America, arguably. The people of Cleveland are unbelievable. The way in which they support their teams, better than any town out there. There's people that could say they're equal to, no one can say they're better than the Cleveland sports fans. They're phenomenal. That title factored in years of misery with all of their teams. The Cubs title, like in 2016 also, right, is different because it factored in that one organization. Bulls won six. Blackhawks won a million. White Sox won prior. The Bears in 85. The town saw it. The town never saw it in Cleveland. I do think the other sports factored in. I don't have the the ring on. Like CC just told us that when he talks about D'Angelo Russell, his blood pressure goes up. When you bring up LeBron Heat stuff, I, I'm I'm ready to pass out right now. Okay, well let's move to the next one. Respect it or check it. LeBron James winning only one title for the Lakers is a failure. Ooh. Wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it because uh, anytime a player brings a banner to your team, I, I don't think you can call it a failure. I know people. Uh, always try to dismiss the championship or downplay it because it was in a COVID year and they were in a bubble. Mm-hmm. But listen, man, those were tough circumstances. 
in order to, you know, adjust to and win a championship through. So, I mean, based on where the world was at and for your team to be able to come out on top and actually win a title, yeah, I'm going to give LeBron all the credit for being able to do that. So, yeah, we won a championship. I thought it would be more with the duo of LeBron and AD. If that if that's all it ends up being, I can't call it a failure, so I got to check it. I got to check it based on the word failure. I don't like that attached to that because when you, as Brian Winhorst, who just joined us, always says you should never apologize for winning a championship, and he won a championship, and I think people that downgrade his title in the bubble are ridiculous because the way I look at it personally is, and now I'm going to defend LeBron, when you're singularly focused on one thing, and your peers are also only focused on that, and the only thing you can do is play basketball, and you're better at that than everyone else, when no one has a distraction, that's extra credit in my mind that goes to LeBron for that one. That title, I think, is actually underrated in what he was able to do. That said, do you realize, and I know you guys do, but I'm putting this in perspective, do you realize that LeBron's tenure with the Lakers is actually greater in number of years than his tenure with Miami and his second tenure in Cleveland? That he's already on year five with the Lakers, and he only played four with Miami and four his second time around with Cleveland. So he's had a longer period of time in Los Angeles than he did in Cleveland and Miami. Failure is not the word. I would say his tenure with the Lakers so far for Lakers fans is probably not enough. I didn't say that. I'm a Lakers fan. Can we back up for half a second, please? Yes. You just gave LeBron more credit for winning in the bubble, but you said in Cleveland that title is overhyped. We give it too much credit. How How do you square that one? That makes no sense. What makes no sense about that? You say we give too much, we overhype the LeBron title in Cleveland, but we undersell how good the bubble title was? How can it be both ways? I don't get it. They're totally different circumstances. Pat, most people downplay like, oh, bubble was easier because you never had to go on the road. I don't think it was as easy as everyone else does. Most people say it's an amazing accomplishment winning in Cleveland, which it was, but it factors in other sports. But it's also who you beat, an all-time great team, a dynastic team. Yes. Didn't they set the regular season wins record of eventually? 73-9, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, that's what we're talking about. And they were up three games, three to one. That, yeah, if you just do it like that, no problem with it. No problem with that. But when we're factoring in the fact that Cleveland didn't win in other sports, that has nothing to do with it. The Cavs didn't win. The organ, the, the, Fine, they didn't win in basketball not, either. It's hard to get not, over that hump. Yeah, but that's like, like, not how it's ever stated. You guys are stating it better than I think the masses do. You, you're satisfied. Go back to the Lakers question. If his Lakers tenure ends after this year, next year, with only one title, in your mind it was enough? Well, I'm a realist. I don't think they're going to win another title. Okay. So, so, yeah, but, I, I mean, it's enough. Like, we got a championship out of the deal. I'll take it. It was one more than we had. It's a banner. Yeah, who's going to say banner. no to that? All right, you guys, one more, last one. Respect it or check it. Today, January 31st, is the last day that you can wish someone a happy new year. I think we can go all year. I'd check it. We can go till December 31st of next year. Check I it. Mean, the la- this year, the last time you should be able to wish somebody a happy new year is January 2nd, period. End of sentence. Over. Stop it. Kendrick Perkins just said it yesterday. I know. It just felt like Kendrick Perkins was in an awkward spot, didn't know quite what to say, so he just started out with the Happy New Year thing. Oh, I don't think so. I think that was a panic move. I think that's just his move. I think that was a panic. I think he was just expressing well wishes in January. I I, I think he pulled a a Mike McCarthy. He panicked. He panicked. Um, I don't know if I see that necessarily. I, I, I see it. Just saying. LeBron's had multiple losing seasons in, in the Why the Let it go. Let <laughs> it go. LeBron brought you multiple championships. Talk about the Lakers. Appreciate him. The Lakers great. had multiple losing seasons.
Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.